Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And today I'm joined by Martin French. Martin is the Chief Technology Data Officer at the Apex Group, and we're here to talk about how the role of CDO is changing forever. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Matt. Yeah, cheers for coming on today, Martin. Um, Just for our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So um, as Matt's already pointed out, I'm Martin French. I am the Chief Technology Data Officer, so in the role that is a Chief Data Officer role. Um, what I do is I look after all aspects of data across uh, the group and across all jurisdictions, um, but that includes everything from operational data to data insights and all the analytical world, data governance, data products. Uh, we own a data strategy within the team, um, and we operate the data office across uh, the business, which is uh, somewhere in around about 38 countries now, I believe, and about 12,000-ish people. Um, 90 offices, I believe it is as well, and um, yeah, it's, it's quite a a growing space and the data now, we, having taken the, uh, the turn that data has recently, uh, we've got a, a huge job ahead of us, basically. Yeah, I'm sure it's a, a sort of exciting role to be in. Um, so obviously, I wanted to kind of like talk to you today about chief data officers in, in general. Um, how do you feel like the role of the CDO is changing? And how do you feel like, you know, it has changed over the, the last 10 years or so? Oh, good question. Okay, so um, if you wind yourself back about 15 or so years, and we started to see the emergence of chief data officers in companies such as Capital One over in the US and some of the bigger banks, uh, but more primarily in the big tech companies. Um, I think that from there, we've gone through several evolutions of the chief data officer and the, the roles and responsibilities come with it. And there's been some uh, some big names in the, in the role over those years. I think it's very telling that as we understand more about data and as businesses become more data fluent, um, the role evolves to sit within that. And it's quite an exciting change at some points. And, you know, when you talk about some of the newer technologies that are hitting the uh, hitting the landscape now, such as generative AI and, and understanding those and how that fits in with data, actually, the role of the, data, the chief data officer grows with it. But it's important to understand that at this stage, actually, it's still quite an immature role in terms of business. You talk about C-suite in a business, you talk about the chief financial officer, you know, the chief information officer, chief technology officer, um, and obviously the CEO. You know, they're very, very established, very well-known um, roles in a business. And what they do day-to-day is very, very well understood. But there's a lot of differences amongst some of the CDOs in, in terms of what they're responsible for. Um, and that in of itself can provide somewhat of a challenge into actually understanding how you fit in that business. Um, but broadly speaking, I think that for me, certainly, and I'm obviously going to say this, the role of the chief data officer needs to stay, um, but it's actually where that focus lies. And I, I was having a frank conversation with another CEO recently, and I said, there's a question here as to whether um, our role disappears if we do it properly. So if we get it right, if we make everybody data fluent, if everybody's thinking about data all the time, if everybody's driving data forward in their own area, does the role still exist? And I think that that's a question we're going to be constantly answering for a very long time to come. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting perspective, actually. That's, that's not one I've heard before. Um, 
Uh, and obviously, you know, what one of the main things about, you know, that that chief data officer role is how 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 much you kind of have to have your finger on the pulse of uh, of everything that's happening in the in the data world at the moment you know obviously we've we've seen a lot of emerging trends uh, over the past year um what are some of the the bigger things kind of shaking up the world of data at the moment that you've really had to kind of keep an eye on oh another one uh, another great question there Matt. so let's look outside the back of the pandemic and actually the real realization of a lot of businesses that they need to change the way that they use data um I think that that actually has given it a huge drive in, in the data arenas. And, you know, we're seeing some more technology as a result of that. We're seeing a lot more in the governance space, particularly. Obviously, there's the, the, the new hype cycle stuff like generative AI and such. But ultimately, for me, the, the biggest change over the past year has been people and talent in data. And I've noticed certainly that there is, I don't want to say someone, a lack of people out there. That's not true. What there is, is there is a lack of available talent out there to be able to service some of the bigger teams that, that we obviously need to build now as a result of some of these changes. So take a group like um, Apex, for instance, where you know we've grown massively over the past four years. I can't remember how many acquisitions it is. It's a lot. But ultimately, seeing more good people come in that have got data and actually growing that business, there's still not enough people in data. And that's a conversation we're having a lot again in, in the CDO circles is, you know, attracting good talent, but retaining good talent too. And one of the other challenges that, that's really, you know, really, really becoming to the forefront is as new data technologies evolve, as things change in the data space, those skill sets change as well. And it means that there's an ever-changing requirement in the data workforce to be able to drive some of the, uh, some of the initiatives that the business wants to take forward. Again, it comes back to that whole immaturity within what data is and how data works. And, you know, perhaps immaturity is the wrong word, but I think, again, as, as literacy and fluency grows in data, the demands of those data teams are going to change. But he's getting bigger, and I can't see that stopping. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that, that kind of leads quite nicely into my uh, next question, which is, you know, what emerging technologies are really defining the future of the data world uh, and, the, and the technology world as well? And I can't answer this one without mentioning AI, right? And <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a lovely little, well, for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a lovely little, um, a little story I like to tell about this. So many, many, many years ago, and I'm not going to give you a number because it ages me horribly. Um, but I got involved with a, a little piece of technology that was running on a very, very old operating system platform, and we're talking a little bit pre-Windows here. But anyway, um, ultimately, it was a, a little chatbot that you taught to speak. Okay, um, that was a number of years ago. And looking to where we are now, um, I think that in the past two or three years, that has just skyrocketed. So maybe I'd like to change that a little bit and say maybe this isn't the emerging technologies that define it. Maybe it's what's next. So now we've got this capability of, you know, understanding our data better and seeing what we can do with it, feeding it into models that then give the capability to have a conversation. It's the question of what next when you start talking about cognitive analytics and, and thinking like a human. Um, I think over the next five, ten years, we're going to see a lot more capability in that area. And I know there's a lot of worry at the moment around what the capabilities of AI um, and whether or not it's going to replace jobs. I'm not going to lie. I'm saying maybe it will. But actually what I think it'll do is it'll allow people to be able to upskill in other areas um, and take away some of the more mundane stuff that actually doesn't really need, you know, an emotional response or an, 
and emotionally intelligent capability. But I think AI is going to be leaps and bounds now. Yeah, I think we've hit a threshold where a lot of people are getting involved in it now. A lot of people are realizing its potential and taking it forward. And for me, that's a really exciting time because that opens up so many opportunities around data. When we start looking, for instance, at governance and controls within data, if you can do that artificially, if you can do that um, with technology, you know, you're, you're freeing up people to do a lot more of the, the value add work and getting into the deeper level stuff and, and, and the human behaviors. I think actually that's for me where, where things are going. And, you know, I'm really excited about that. I think there's a there's a great future ahead for Yeah, yeah, re- really well said there. And obviously, you know, as, as you said, I think the the kind of rise of generative AI is is one that's been, you know, quite, quite, uh, quite nicely covered. Um, but what, what I wanted to ask you um, is what are some of the applications that it could have in the data space that it's not quite able to do yet? Um, and, you, you know, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is there anything that generative AI can't do that you'd like it to do to kind of, you know, help you out in the in the kind of data space? Uh, well, another really good question then. It, get, it depends on the application, right? And I know that that's a bit of a cop-out in terms of an answer. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, your AI is only as good as the person that writes it. Um, if that person that, that's putting in the effort to understand their biases and how uh, biases can be generated via input as well, so if we cast our mind back to Microsoft's first foray into this, and they released a chatbot um, Clippy. into the wild that became very bigoted very quickly, just simply because of the way that its model was not necessarily trained to exclude biases that weren't understood, but also that it wasn't written within specific boundaries and parameters that allowed it to grow to a point before questioning itself. And that's the problem, right? That's the can it question itself. So when we talk about how you, you go through data, when you take an analyst, a data analyst that's looking, and humans, you know, we're by, well, it's built into us as pattern ma- matching, right? So as humans, we can see that. We, we match a face, we match a smile, we understand. When we get into some of the really good data analysts are doing this, you know, on the fly and analyzing data, um, can generative AI get there? Maybe one day. The problem I've got with it at the moment is um, AI hallucinations. So uh, if you take chat GT. GPT as, a, as an example, it's designed to give you an answer irrespective of what that answer is. That includes making it up itself. <laughs> so there's a, there's a question there about how do we take it so that like a human, AI can say, I don't know, or I don't have that answer, but then take it upon itself to go and find it and that analytical nature. Have you seen this? Uh, have you seen this court case over in the US? Which one's that? Man? That that this kind of happened. Um, I can't remember what the, the exact details of the case, but um, a, a lawyer was kind of caught using fake cases that ChatGPT had given him oh when when he was kind of researching. Yeah, and so obviously the the court clerks have looked it up and been like, "Oh, the, this case never happened." Yeah, no precedents, right? Um, so yeah, exactly, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's a, a great example of AI hallucinations, and I think. There's a lot of people are very worried about what the future holds with AI. Um, I can hand on heart say I am not one of them yet because I still think that there's a long yeah. way to go. But I think that until it, you can think more in human forms within data, you're still going to be restricted to what we know as traditional artificial intelligence rather than taking this to a level where you know we're inventing Skynet. Um, and it's going to take over the world. I think we're a long way away from that. <laughs> but remember that when whenever AI is created, dependent on how good your data scientist understands their own biases, you know, that can have an impact. Most of them 
you know what I'm not going to lie. There's far smarter people than me, right? But ultimately, these guys, um, they do understand their biases, all 26 of them or whatever the number is these days. I think they've identified it some more now. Um, but it's a very interesting topic. It's very exciting for data. But I think the one thing that we do all, uh, you know, chief data officers have to remember is, is that the quality of your artificial intelligence is only as good as the quality of the data that you're giving it. Mm, yeah, very well said. Uh, and then just to kind of wrap this up, my final question for you today. Uh, obviously, we've kind of outlined a few of the challenges um, that, that chief data officers are really facing right now. Um, is there any sort of practical advice uh, you can give to those who, who may who may be facing some uh, common challenges or, or trying to reach some common goals? So, yeah, um, there's a couple of spaces here. So let's talk about the talent thing first, right? Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I'm going to say about that is remember everybody's a human. Um, and I try and talk to every new starter in the team. I don't mind what level that is. If I, I want to have a conversation with them. Well, you know, we are data people. We like to talk. Um, I like to talk at length, which is why I'm doing this. But, <laughs> but ultimately, I think it's important to remember that we are, that we are people in all of this and that everybody's slightly different. Um, and remember that when you're struggling to hire... Um, a particular skill set, maybe it's because you're looking for the wrong skill set. Um, and rather than looking for a skill set, look for a potential. That would be one piece of advice with the talent at the moment, which is very, very difficult to, to deal with. Um, and the other one within the AI space, which obviously is a very high focus for everybody at the moment, is to perhaps think a little bit more about your data governance and your quality and understand about the ethics behind it too. You know, just because we can doesn't mean we should. But if we're going to, get the data right first. Yep. Yep. Very well said. Martin, thank you so much for, for coming on to the podcast today. I really do appreciate your time. That's all right. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, and thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast as well. We hope you took a lot away from the episode, but for further information on what we talked about, please head on over to apexgroup.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. But until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, please head on over to em360tech.com.